Hi, and welcome to the 40 and Infertile podcast. I'm your host, Victoria, at 40 and Infertile on Instagram. I'm a fellow IVF patient, and this is where I share with you my fertility journey in my late 30s and 40s, while also providing you information to minimize your fertility struggles later in life. Episode 18. Today, I have the pleasure of having Dr. Zahir Murhi back on the show to discuss at-home IVF and ozone sauna. He was previously on episode 6, talking about PRP and how it can help egg quality and low egg count or diminished ovarian reserve. Um, In case you didn't know, I met Dr. Murhi through Dr. Amy, the egg whisperer, and she introduced me to him because I was struggling with egg quality and egg quantity, and she thought maybe PRP would be a really good option for me to consider. So during the last episode, I learned about some new innovative things that Dr. Murphy and his office is doing. And so I wanted to dig deeper into these topics. So I invited him back for another episode and he agreed to come back to chat. So thank you, Dr. Murphy, for being here. Um, what I do want to say about Dr. Murphy and Dr. Amy, for that matter, is that they are both really here for you. When you feel like others would have dismissed you or have dismissed you, or you were told that you couldn't try with your own eggs because of your age, um, they are the ones who are willing to let you try. And they don't necessarily, I totally want to be clear about this, they don't necessarily give you false hope or anything. They're very realistic in telling you if the statistics are working against you or if your chances are low. But If you know in your heart of hearts, this is something that you need to do, you need to try with your own eggs at least one time or two times or whatever, before you're able to move on further in your path, then they're definitely here to support you in your journey. And it is just so meaningful. And I really want to thank them uh, for being there for all of us who who do want to try with our own genetics um, before we decide that, you know, it is not going to work for us. Um, so today's episode covers two topics, um, at home IVF and ozone sauna. So first, um, I learned about the at home IVF, um, on episode six, but also on Dr. Amy's podcast when he talked a little bit about it. Um, so I wanted to cover this, um, because I get messages from people who tell me they're, you know, running low on their finances or, They're not sure if traditional IVF routes um, would work for them because maybe they don't produce very many follicles. And so they're wanting to know what else is out there. And so when I heard Dr. Murphy did something like this, I kind of wanted to explore this and see what it was all about. Um, So I'll be completely honest. I have no clue how much this costs. But with, you know, minimal to no injections, uh, minimal to no blood work, or monitoring appointments, I would imagine that it could be a cost savings for you. Um, The second thing that we talked about today is ozone sauna therapy. So just a brief overview of ozone. Um, So our normal air oxygen that we breathe, well, the air that we breathe is a combination of a few different things, but um, one of them, obviously, a large component is oxygen. Um, So it's an O2, so it's two oxygen atoms. ozone has three oxygen atoms, O3. And so um, you, I'm no expert, 
by any means, obviously, just having listened to this whole conversation myself. <laughs> um, but there are a few people who would be good candidates for ozone sauna. So Dr. Murphy recommends ozone sauna for those with low ovarian reserve, um, low AMH or high FSH and or high FSH, um, poor egg or embryo quality, uh, poor response to IVF medication, thin endometrial lining, inflammatory disease of the uterus or vagina, um, these are all things that he would recommend um, ozone sauna. So I'll let him kind of discuss all the details behind ozone sauna itself and why it works. Um, but I hope you guys find value in this episode. And if you do, of course, please, please, please do me a favor. Leave me a five-star review and a written review on whichever platform you're listening on. Um, this will help get this information out to more listeners. Um, and I encourage you to keep the questions and suggestions coming in. Um, they're so, so helpful for me and for our guests. And it gets, you know, more information into your hands. So please keep them coming. Um, Dr. Murphy, thank you so much for taking care of all of us who are 40 and older. And thank you for pushing the boundaries of what we can do so that the 40-year-olds of the future don't have to struggle like the 40-year-olds of today do. So, all right. I always talk a lot. So sorry about that, guys. But let's do this. Just a quick reminder, I am not a physician, and the information provided today is for educational and informational purposes only, and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. So make sure that you consult with your own fertility doctor before choosing any medical therapies that may affect your fertility. Unfortunately, every person's situation is unique, and it is vital that you discuss your own personal situation with your fertility doctor to decide what is the best course of action for you. Okay, we have Dr. Murphy back. Thank you so much for coming back to talk to me, Dr. Murphy. Even though I kept you from eating dinner last time, thank you for forgiving me enough to come back. It's okay, you're forgiven. I really enjoyed my time with you, and thank you so much for having me back. But now I know when to have my podcast with you. So one of between lunch and dinner, I'm not going to have it at 6 p.m. Eastern time anymore. <laughs> that was totally my fault. I'm so sorry. Oh, my gosh. Well, I appreciate your forgiveness. Um, for people who haven't heard um, episode six, Dr. Murphy talks a lot about fertility in our 40s, and he also talks about PRP. But we also discovered there's a few other things that might be helpful for us um, in our 40s. So he's come back graciously to talk about those things. Um, first, because there may be some people um, who haven't met you yet, can you tell us about where you practice and about the Rejuvenating, uh, Rejuvenating Fertility Center, please? Sure. So my name is Dr. Murphy, Zahir Murphy. You can call me Z. Everyone calls me Z or, or Dr. Murphy. And um, I'm located in New York City. We have four locations in New York area, um, New York State, Brooklyn, Westchester, Long Island, um, and Manhattan. And we have a location in Connecticut, in Westport, Connecticut. Um, the, our practice is called Rejuvenating Fertility Center. Our specialty are is women who um, we're told you never get pregnant with your own eggs or women above 40 with low ovarian reserve. So uh, we do a lot of innovative things. We do a lot of gentle IVF, natural IVF, mini IVF, IVF without injections, at-home IVF kit, which we have patent for. Uh, we do a lot of PRP ovarian rejuvenation for women who have low ovarian reserve and even early menopause, premature ovarian 
insufficiency, used to be called premature ovarian failure. We do ozone sauna for women who have um, uh, inflammation. We also have a fellowship training program for doctors. So um, I'm, a, I'm an associate professor at Sunni Down State University. And now we just got affiliation with Maimonides Hospital. This are in New York. We train doctors who graduate from their OBGYN residency. They spent three years in our in the fertility program, which is accredited. And uh, we do a lot of research as well. So that's, in a nutshell, um, our practice. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I feel like for us, this you are a wealth of information, especially for a lot of us who still want to try with our own eggs, who aren't quite ready to have that donor egg conversation. Or, you know, for a lot of us, we've already had that donor co- egg conversation. We're not quite there yet. So um, having wonderful resources like you are just so invaluable to us. So thank you so much for what you do. And yeah, and continuing to push that envelope and continuing to try these new things so that we still have some hope. Um, you mentioned a few things that we'll talk about today. Um, let's start with the in-home IVF. And I know you talked about needleless IVF. Are these two different things? The answer is yes, because needle-free IVF. So there are people who are afraid of blood draws and afraid of injection. They both have needles. So... For women who are afraid of needles with the injections, we have protocol that only involve oral pills, nasal spray, and put sometimes vaginal pills based on case-by-case basis, zero injections. But also for those women, we do not draw blood. We take their saliva and urine when they come to monitor, and we can measure the same hormones. So... This way they don't get blood draws. And also there's a lot of people who have difficult veins. Some people I go, I walk by and I see my medical assistant sticking the patient multiple times because the pain the vein is small or it breaks. Or So we can measure the hormones in the urine and saliva. The same hormones as reliable if the patient follows the instruction. So that's called needle-free IVF. The at-home IVF kit is a different thing. The at-home IVF kit it's a kit that we have a patent from the United States for it. We're very proud to say that. And it has all the medication that you need. We will mail it to your house. You don't need to monitor. Zero. You don't have to go to do blood and ultrasound. It tells you day by day when to take the medication in the home IVF kit. And you fly to us on the day of the egg retrieval. That's it. So zero blood draws. Zero ultrasound, zero everything. This we started in the COVID because a lot of people, during the monitoring, you have to go four or five times during the cycle. Sometimes, especially in Manhattan, other cities, they don't want to be in a public area and all this craziness. Look what happened in Brooklyn a couple of days ago with the, with the explosion. With the Crazy, but now there's pandemic, the COVID's coming back, there's a new variant. People don't want to travel in, in with other people. They don't want to go to monitor every other day. If you don't want to, that's totally fine. We will mail you the home IVF kit. You take step-by-step step what we tell you, and you come to the to, to, to do the egg retrieval only after the nasal spray trigger. Now, do we like, is this the ideal situation? If you know, if you want to monitor, we would like to do a couple of monitoring because I want to know how your body is responding to the medication. But women who have regular cycles, think about it this way. 
If your cycle is 28 days, I know you ovulate on day 14. So I can give you medication with the home IVF care to take, and I'll trigger you around day 11, and we'll bring you on day 13, which is the day before you ovulate, to do the egg retrieval. So this way, I know you're not going to ovulate. You following me? There's a small chance that patients ovulate when they come to do the at-home IVF kit because they didn't monitor. So if patients understand that I have it, 5% of patients might ovulate. You know, when you come for the egg retrieval, unfortunately, because we're not monitoring you closely. So you need to weigh the, 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 the pros and cons for everything in life. The benefit of the at-home IVF kit, there's zero shots, just pills. You don't have to monitor and take your, be late for your work or have someone babysit you, your kids and stuff like that. One visit for egg retrieval. But the disadvantage is, well, there's a small chance of ovulation. But you know what? Even if you monitor this small chance of ovulation, a lot of people, they come the day of the egg retrieval, they ovulate. They lose the whole cycle. It happens, unfortunately. So the at-home IVF kit offers a lot of things. One, less money. Two, no injections. Zero, three, less monitoring visits, and four, convenience, honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you care about follicle size at all? Yeah, we definitely do. We monitor, but remember, look, the follicle size, when you do stimulation, it takes days, you need days, right? If your cycle is, if you're, if you're 28 days, we know your follicle is going to be mature around day 13, 14. So if the follicle is not there yet, we do in vitro maturation. We, we mature the egg in the, in, the, in the lab. It's not the end of the world. We get some immature eggs all the time. But IVM is well known to work very, very nicely for a lot of people. Sometimes, actually, IVM is better than getting egg mature eggs. Some patients, you do egg retrieval, their mature eggs, they never fertilize or make it to an embryo. If you get them immature and culture them in the lab and fertilize them, they do better. So there is not, you know what I mean? So it's not the end of the world if you do, if you get them a little bit at a smaller size. It's not the end. But especially, look, in women above 40, women with ovarian reserve, there's a lot of studies also showing triggers at smaller size follicles, 16 millimeter, 18 millimeter, better than waiting too long. So look, it's case by case basis. As I said, is your, is it, you know, if the, if, you have to t- and you don't want to tell your school, you have to take time off to come to monitor every other day, okay? So if you don't want to do that, then you're wasting a month. So the at-home IVF kit offers you a chance not to waste this month and not do anything. Is it going to be the best ideal cycle? I don't know the answer. I can tell you 95% of patients are doing extremely well on the, IV- and the home IVF kit. And... Our patients doing, they don't want to do. They can monitor after the pandemic, but they don't want to do it. They want to do all my VFK because it's convenient for them. So it depends on what you want. It's case-by-case basis. We, you know, again, we offer things that is convenient for patients. A lot of people are scared of IVF because they have blood draws, because of the injections. We want to make sure those patients are being, have a choice other than the conventional IVF way. And honestly, women above 40, I recommend they do more gentle IVF or mini IVF than the conventional IVF because a lot of data showing that the higher the dose of medication you give for this woman, the poorer the egg quality and they respond worse. So 
But I keep talking. It's not my show. It's your show. No, 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 no. This is the Dr. Murphy show. All day, every day. I'm just going to sit here and listen. I end up for the whole week. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm here to listen. I'm just like I'm taking notes. I'm like I'm just keep talking. Don't let me stop you, please. Like I love this. Look, I I have patients all the time coming to my office who their cycles were canceled, okay, because zero follicles developed. And when I asked this patient, they're pumped with high doses of folistim and menopure. And when I said to this patient. Well, if you didn't take any of this medication, what will, what will you develop naturally? The answer was one follicle. But now on the medication, they didn't even develop a follicle. So that tells you that the medication shuts down their system, especially those women who are above 40. I can tell you that. That's, that's for sure. So the medication does not create new follicles. It grows the ones that we see on ultrasound. And in my opinion, women above 40, less shots you do, the better the quality of the egg because you need to focus on the quality, not the quantity. Not the quantity. You can, I have patients all the time, oh, I got 10 eggs, 20. You count their cycles between four or five cycles, they're like 70 eggs and no baby. Why do I care? I don't get excited. I don't. The first IVF baby in the world is natural, was natural cycle. No medications, no trigger shot, nothing. Now I feel like we keep pumping, 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 pumping. And look, I also, you know, try to avoid a couple of medications. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, saying anything for any, uh, to, to say anything about any particular pharmaceutical drug, but Manipure should not be used, in my opinion, for women above 40, okay, which is the powder. Manipure is made from the urine of postmenopausal women. Menopure. Ur is the urine, meno and menopause. So women in their 40s, they're transitioning to menopause. I'm not saying they have menopausal. Any means, the menopausal transition, it takes up to eight years. So menopause is made from women who are in menopause or transitioning to menopause, but those women are also transitioning to menopause. So they already have high menopause in their urine. Why do I need to give you something that's already high in your system? It does not make sense to me. Why? You don't need that. But also, if you look at the natural cycle, Menopure has LH activity hormone, and there's no LH in the natural cycle in the beginning. The LH starts just before ovulation, a few days after that. This is when it starts to creep up. So I'm okay if you give Menopure when the follicles becomes above 14 millimeters. But to give it early, you actually can harm the quality of your eggs. And there are studies on this. Anything I'm telling you right now, there is evidence-based medicine. There is studies published in animals and humans. Happy to send them to you. So, look, at the end of the day, I'm not against conventional IVF. I was trained with conventional IVF. I do conventional IVF. I love conventional IVF. It does not work for 40% of women who undergo IVF. I see it every day. Women, especially women above 40, in my opinion, 80% of them, they don't do well in conventional IVF. Why? Because the conventional IVF pushes their eggs too hard and makes their egg split the DNA to split unequally, causing immature eggs, but not immature, I mean, poorer quality eggs, and there is data on this. And then ultimately, they don't even make embryos. Look, I have patients all the time, in their 40s and above, 40 and above, they come in for gender selection, right? They have four girls, now they want to have a boy. 
Okay? They don't have infertility. Now they're doing conventional IVF. They can't even make an embryo, a blastocyst. That's not their problem. They can get pregnant. That's a perfect way, example as to why the medication could potentially causes, I hate to say it, infertility. I don't want to say it causes infertility, but it hurts the quality of the eggs and those patient population. I have a lot of people, listen to this, they have recurrent miscarriages and they're above, 40 and above, recurrent miscarriages. When you have a miscarriage, this means you have an egg that fertilized, that made a blastocyst around day five, day seven, that also implanted. Fair? Am I making sense? Guess what? Now they're doing IVF because they want to do PGT to test their embryos. Their embryos are all arresting on day three, day four. They're not even making it to the blastocyst stage. But that's not why they came to see their fertility doctor. They were getting pregnant. They were making blastocyst. So those examples, recurrent miscarriages, and women who are coming for gender selection are perfect examples when you see them making blastocyst on their own and getting pregnant on their own. But now they can't even make a blastocyst to even transfer. A perfect example, perfect witness, if you want to say, of why the, I believe the data that's been published showing that too much shots could potentially harm the quality of the eggs. So at-home IVF is good for people over 40? Or are there groups of people that in-home IVF would be better for? Look, the at-home IVF better is better for women who have low ovarian reserve, who have regular menstrual cycles. That's the reality. Why? You don't need shots if you have low ovarian reserve. The shots do not create new follicles. It grows the one that we see on ultrasound. But the pills are enough to feed those eggs. If you have two follicles, imagine you and your husband are follicles. Okay? You, two follicles. I cook for two people and give you the food, you'll be happy. The food is the medication. If I cook for 10 people and shove it in your mouth and his mouth, you're going to vomit. The, the, the clomid and electrosol pills are enough food for two people. They can feed up to five follicles. So if you have low ovarian reserve, you have five follicles or less with regular menstrual cycle, you are a perfect candidate for the at-home IVF care. So if there are people who are younger or 40-year-olds who maybe were told, you know, they need donor eggs and they're not quite ready to do that, then this might be a really nice alternative for them to try instead of conventional IVF or, you know, if they're not ready for donor eggs and they want to keep trying, then they can certainly reach out to you. Because right now you're the only place that offers the in-home IVF option. Is that right? And I, I write and I agree with you 100%. We have patent for it, so nobody else can use it. Look. The reality is, I always tell patients that if you try conventional IVF, it doesn't work for you. Don't do it again. Why do we need? To? If it didn't, if it would have worked, it would have worked. Do something different. I'm not telling you because I want patients to come to me. No, but you know, you did something once, twice, three times, didn't work. You need to try something different. Or to me, it's a waste of money and time and energy. I, again, I, I always, even sometimes I do gentle IVF, it doesn't work. I tweak the protocol and I do conventional IVF or I do IVF without injections. You need to try something dramatically different every cycle. Body tells you when, it, when, they li- when the body likes something, it works. If it doesn't work, move on, right? But also... <clears throat> 
This is an important thing. A lot of patients say, oh, I did conventional IVF and I had my child. But that's four years ago. Your body is different right now. So think about that too. What worked for you four years ago might not work for you right now today. So I see those mentality where, oh, this is what worked for me. This is what I did four years ago. But four years ago, you're not the same. Four years ago, I used to go 10 flights. Now I can't go two. I can't go one flight. I'll, 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 I'll. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Don't do that. We need you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I used to play basketball for, for, for eight hours four years ago. Now I can shoot two hoops. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so what I'm trying to say is the body really changes. And what worked for you in the past, I hope to God will work for you again. But my not work for you because now you're a different person. Look, pregnancy changes also a lot of things. I have patients who had, first of all, the majority of patients who have infertility are women who had were pregnant before. You know that? It's called secondary infertility. They either had pregnancy in the past, they terminated pregnancy because they were not ready, or they had a miscarriage, or they had a child. It is more common than women who never been pregnant ever before. So something happens to that body. A lot of people that deliver baby, and now they can't. A year ago, why? I don't know. Something happened. And vice versa. I have a lot of patients who did IVF, and now the second baby was, was unnaturally. Something about the pregnancy changes the body, either for the better or for the worse. I don't know. One of my best friend's wife, uh, wife she had two IVF cycles, went to, do a th- to use a frozen embryo transfer, the same day she went, she was she found out that she was pregnant on her own. Many, many years of time. So what I'm trying to say is the body changes, the protocol that works for you in the past might not work for you right now. If you had pregnant in the past, the pregnancy changes your body as well. Mm-hmm. So I you heard or you had mentioned something a little bit earlier that I had not heard of before, and I kind of want to hear a little bit more. Um, how do you mature the eggs in the lab? I didn't know that was an option. (laughs) It's definitely an option. There are women who do better when the follicle is small. You trigger them and you do retrieval at smaller size. You're talking about 12 to 4. A mature follicle is usually around 20 millimeter. Smaller size around 12. 14 starts to become mature. Anywhere between 12 and 14 millimeter, the egg, you take it out of the body early, and then you mature it in the lab. It's called IVM in vitro maturation. It's well known. It's done a lot for women with PCOS, a lot of, done a lot for women who had previously failed IVF, a lot done a lot for women who every time you do retrieval, their eggs are poor quality or they're overmature and they don't fertilize or they fertilize and they arrest the next day or, or they don't make it to three. You do in vitro maturation. Sometimes maturing the egg in the lab is better than the body. We don't know why. Okay. And it's a, it's a real entity that's it's, it's, it's been used for 20 years or more. The guy who started IVM is a Miguel, um, S.L. Tan is his name, if I remember correctly, in Canada. He started that. He's the king of it. He wrote books about IVM and in vitro maturation. There's plenty of studies on that. So, yes, for some patients, I do trigger at much smaller size. And then I mature the eggs in the lab and they do much better. Mm-hmm. So then does the partner come back or do you freeze the sperm and then um, 
fertilize the egg later. Is that how that works? Yes. Well, uh, we tell the we, we do the retrieval and the mature. We tell the sper- they tell the guy to come in day or two to 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 give sperm or. We wash the sperm and put it in the incubator. It's good for 24 hours. Ah. So this okay. way it doesn't have to come back. Okay. Yeah, that's that's not a problem, the sperm, really. I mean, men are, most of them are really flexible. But if you give it, we freeze it and fill and use it whenever we want because it, some of them travel for work or, you know, or we can wash it and put it in the incubator and stuff like that. So, it's, yeah, we can always find a way. How often are you doing this in vitro maturation? Pretty often, I have to tell you. Look, my expert, I see patients who have really, from from 1 to 10, most of my patients' difficulty, 10 being the most difficult, in the real world, they are like 9 to 10. For me, they're 2 to 3, okay? I'm not trying to brag, or, but I have a lot of patients who are told, you never get pregnant with your own eggs. Go my Instagram. They have children. A lot of centers don't want women above 40 because you lower their pregnancy rates, especially if you have low ovarian reserve. They don't like that. No offense. Of course, I love all my colleagues, but some people, they do care about this and well, it's okay. Nothing's wrong with that. I don't care about my pregnancy rates, okay? If I want to choose women in their 20s only, my pregnancy will be 100%. That's not what makes me happy. So, you know, there is a lot of things that's now novel that's done for women 40 and above, and women with low ovarian reserve, and even women with early menopause, and premature ovarian insufficiency, and premature ovarian failure, that give them babies. If I can help 20% of those patients, I'll be very happy. But I can tell you, 50% of patients who come to my office, and they are very upset and hurt, and they were told, you never get pregnant with your own, with your own eggs, have children right now. Mm-hmm. That's all I can tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so wonderful. I mean, like all this stuff, I, I, found, I found like every time I talk to you, I learned something new exists and now I want to know more about it. <laughs> you know I mean? I'm like, last time I was like PRP and like all the crazy PRP things that I learned. And today I'm like, like what's this? IBM? IBM is new to me. I don't know what it, this is. So thank yes, you. IBM yeah. is, a, is a big thing. Look, we're passionate here at RFC. My team and I and my doctor, we're always passionate. We're always reading. We we present it to each other once a week. Someone has to present a new article and we discuss it and see how th- we can move, how we can improve uh, science forward. We're, we're really, we, our goal is to, to make IVF simple and human. Less shots. People have babies, they have sex, one night stand and they have pregnant, right? It's not fair for women, other women, like you guys who are trying to get pregnant and get pregnant and struggle. It's not fair. And, and 99%, 100% of those women deserve to be mom because they're going to be great moms. So you know what? It should be simple and human, in my opinion. Not painful, feel like crap, put chemicals on your body, and, and, and overwhelm yourself financially, emotionally, and everything like this. It shouldn't be like this. Look, Uber and Amazon, they're... Amazon, you can order now to your house, right? They made it easy for you to shop. You waste you save money, time from going out and parking and this and that. So why you can't have babies like this? Why would not home IVF kit ship it to your door and do IVF and come to us one time? So it, it shouldn't be hard. Yeah. No, I totally agree. You're, you're singing my song. <laughs> 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 I'm like, I'm listening. You're singing. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> 
And this um, is injections for men because women takes all these injections and these men do nothing except masturbating in a cup and it's not fair. Women, <laughs> they complain. Oh, I can't produce. I mean, come on. Sorry, I was joking. Oh, my gosh. A lot of men are great. They, I, yes. Really, just, just joking. I'm just always on I the woman's know. side. I'm always on the woman's side. We appreciate that. We appreciate that. Um, but let's switch gears a little bit because you also offer ozone, and that I learned that from you too. So can you tell us more about ozone sauna? So I didn't know what ozone sauna is until forty years ago, when one of my patients said to me that she's from she moved from California. I said, Dr. Murray, you should get ozone. It's good for the reproductive system. I said, What is ozone sauna? And she told me, and I contacted the company. And they told me about their machine. I went on PubMed where articles, medical articles published. And I found hundreds and hundreds of studies on ozone therapy in humans to treat dermatitis, uh, arthritis, uh, Crohn's disease, uh, uh, hair loss, like so many things. And then zero studies were on human and reproduction, but there's tons of studies on animals, cows, mouse, rats, that ozone therapy improves egg quality and sperm quality. I'm like, so why we don't do that? So what I did is I started studying ozone sauna. I had a PhD student who spent three years with her thesis studying ozone, and we published tons of studies showing that ozone sauna improves egg quality in women with low ovarian reserve. Now, what is ozone sauna? It's a machine you sit in it, your head will be up, You'll sit naked in this machine, you're covered, right? But you're not breathing the ozone, your head is out. And also there's a small hose that you put it vaginally and blows ozone in the vagina that goes to the uterus and over. The ozone is oxygen O3. The oxygen that we breathe in the air is O2. So instead of two molecules, three molecules. It's a very powerful oxygen, but also is a very powerful anti-inflammatory agent. And... Also, it's a very powerful vasodilatory, I mean, it improves really uh, open blood flow to the ovaries and the uterus. So, you sit in this machine half an hour, it's very relaxing. The catheter that you put vagin is really tiny and, you know, so very relaxing, half an hour, twice a week for three weeks. And then we looked at IVF before and after in the same patients. We did IVF, cycle one, ozone for three sessions, uh, for six sessions, three weeks. We did cycle two. We compared cycle two to cycle one. Cycle two and cycle one were very, very similar. Cycle two and cycle one had similar number of eggs. But cycle two had almost double the embryos compared to cycle one. So this tells me there's improvement in egg quality following ozone. There's no other explanation for this. We published this data. We also, what we did, we took cells, granulosa cells, from when you do egg retrieval, there are cells around the egg. They're very important for the egg maturation. It's called granulosa cells. We took them, and guess what we did? We split them in half. We put half in the ozone machine and half on room temperature. Then we did gene expression. We did PCR for gene expression, and we found that the ozone machine, exposure to the ozone, improved a lot of gene expression, genes that are important for estrogen production. So 
we showed not just clinically, we also showed at the basic science level, at the gene expression level, that there is changes in those genes. Now, who is it good for? For now, right now, I can tell you it's good for women with low ovarian reserve. The bad news is if you're not in this area, it's hard for you to do it because it's twice a week for three weeks. You can't say you're welcome to stay three weeks in New York or Connecticut. Now, I'm doing, and I, if you go on our Instagram, Rejuvenating Fertility Center, or Dr. Underscore Merhi, we have three trials now on ozone. One is for men with poor sperm. We give them six free sessions of ozone, but they have to do the six sessions. They have to do semen analysis before and after. We are submitting an abstract right now to the ASRM, the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, showing the crazy, crazy improvement in semen analysis in those men. You know, we're, we're going to share it on Instagram once it's accepted. One, two, second study, women who have endometriosis with pain. Endometriosis is nasty, very infl- powerful inflammation in the body, and ozone is a very powerful anti-inflammatory agent. If you have endometriosis with pain, has to have pain documented, you qualify to you have six sessions of free ozone twice a week for three weeks, We're going to give you a paper to fill for pain scale. Once a week, we fill. We want to see how is the pain getting better, less, more? No. And the third trial is women with PCOS. Polycystic ovary syndrome have a lot of eggs, but they don't ovulate. A lot of them don't want to take medication, right? And they're prescribed birth control pills, but they don't want want birth control pills to regulate their cycle. They want to have babies. We also, they qualify for ozone, again, six sessions for three weeks. We will give them a diary for their period and their cycle, and we're going to see if the ozone helps them ovulate naturally or not. So those are the three trials. Men with infant with poor sperm, endometriosis with pain, PCOS with irregular cycle. Mm-hmm. Do you think you would ever expand that to adenomyosis? I would love that. The only issue is I, would, I really would love that. I think getting a high number of patients with adenomyosis could be challenging, right? Because the definition, the diagnosis of adenomyosis can be tricky. You need MRI. In my opinion, you need MRI, even though the ultrasound can. But the, the, best, the best diagnosis of adenomyosis actually is hysterectomy. That's what they tell you. You need to take out the uterus, cut it, and look under the microscope, and they tell you it's adenomyosis. It's like endometriosis. You suspect, but you don't know you have it for sure until you do surgery, take tissue, and the pathologist will say you have endometriosis. But adenomyosis, the best test is really MRI. If someone has MRI and they have adenomyosis, please send them my way. I'd like to recruit, but I need at least 10 patients, right? But let's start with one. I'm fine with that. And then we're going to see. We can monitor the lining. We can monitor... By the way, the ozone improves lining. We published that. Women who were told you cannot carry, you need surrogacy, you have no lining because it was scratched, go on PubMed. We've published that the ozone improved the thickness of the lining. It improves blood flow. Remember I mentioned it increases blood flow? Some people give Viagra vaginally. We do. Some people give aspirin to increase blood flow. Guess what? Ozone sit in the machine. Let me tell you. It's much more powerful than all the above, in my opinion. And we've published that. So you can do that. Mm-hmm. So does it does it always have to have that catheter? Or can you do ozone sauna without the catheter? Do you think it's as effective or no? 
I don't think is as effective as this the, without the catheter, to be honest with you, because look, it's different when you put it vaginally close to the, in the vaginal wall, blowing into the uterine lining and the uterine arteries to increase the blood flow to the uterus and the ovaries. It's very different, in my opinion. I don't have study comparing both, so I don't want to tell you for sure because I believe in science. But as far as I'm concerned, physiologically speaking, this absorption from the skin might not be enough. I get this all the time. People are like, can I buy a machine on Amazon? I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't have vaginal catheter and same setting. I don't, I don't know if it's going to work the same, being honest with you. Yeah. I, so I think the solution is that you need a West Coast office. So you need an East Coast office. You need a West Coast so, office. Yeah, I'm going to retire and I'm going to buy a house in the Bahamas because I'm tired all the time and I'm working because I love my job. That's not fair. That's okay. That's you. I mean, you have fellows, right? Train the fellows. Yeah. Send the fellows out idea. to the West Coast. Let's, let's not the- use my fellows. I like that. <laughs> don't, don't let them know I said that. <laughs> that wasn't my idea. <laughs> But because I had look after I heard about this ozone sauna thing from before, I started looking for, and there's not very many, none that I can find that have the vaginal catheter option, or at least it's they're not advertising it as like you can find ozone therapy in a few different places, but none specifically, you know, with the vaginal catheter. So, I mean. Unless you know of other people who are offering this service, it sounds like um, it's a pretty specialized service. Look, I mean, it is specialized. And also the ozone machine, it has multiple, it has a lot of other features. The Hocket, it's called Hocket, H-O-C-A-T-T. The Hocket is not only ozone, it has something called PEMF. PEMF is pulse electromagnetic field. That also has a huge benefit. We don't talk about it all the time because it's called ozone machine. But this has a huge, huge, huge benefit in the vasodilatation that I'm telling you about. So it, it, it has a lot of other things. It's not just ozone machine. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So because I know some people who said, oh, I heard about the ozone sauna thing. I'm going to go and do this ozone sauna um, thing. And I said, well, I think it's a little bit more complex than that. I think, you know, when Dr. Murray was talking about it, there was a, a catheter that went in. And so I, I just want to make sure that people know that there's a difference and maybe efficacy or how well it works may not be the same what you're describing versus just the sonnet itself without the catheter. So, you know, if, if people are looking into it, maybe they should reach out to you and kind of see, well, hopefully they qualify for your study. That'd be great. <laughs> but. Well, listen, I'm happy to help anyone, honestly. Um, you know, the reality is I don't know if these machines were studied. I can tell you if my machine was studied and didn't work, it's not my machine, but it didn't show benefit, I would have said it doesn't work. I Listen, I, I just stopped embryo glue. We were using embryo glue to increase implantation. I didn't see benefit. I just stopped it last week. I said, no more. I can't take people's money just because I looked at my data. It didn't improve implantation. So why am I need to use it? I started to stop it. So medicine, science change. Maybe my patients don't like glue. I don't know. They're already. So, but what I'm trying to say is that I would have told you don't do it if it doesn't work, number one. Number two, I don't know if this machine works until they're studied. But if you do some ozone, I don't think it's going to harm you. Look, we take supplements right and left. I don't know which supplements work for me or for you. That's the reality. I take a bunch of supplements every day. 
It could be none of them work for me. I don't know. So it doesn't mean you don't do it. If you have time and you can do ozone, why not? It doesn't hurt. There's no like side effect that it's natural or not. Now, some people have like irritation of the skin or whatever. So don't do it. It doesn't hurt. Okay. Yeah, no, and that's what I'm. That's why I need the expert to say this stuff. <laughs> I'm like, I'm. That's not me, and I know that. But like, that's why I wanted to make sure that I'm like, oh, okay, well, if there's if there's no harm in doing it, then and it's reasonable to try, but it just may not be as good as the the catheter option, right? At least that's what I'm telling myself. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I, to me, the vaginal effect is extremely important. The vaginal catheter. Yeah. Okay, um, I have some questions. Remember last time, I have some more questions this time. Can we do a few questions? Absolutely. Okay, all right. Thank time you. for me, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know, last time I'm like, okay, okay, I'll, only, I'll pick five. <laughs> but this time I didn't starve you, so, uh, okay. so that's good. Um, okay, so some of these are about our topic and some of them are outside of our topic. So feel free to just tell me no if you don't want to. <laughs> Okay. Um, does higher AMH after PRP mean more eggs uh, or better response to IVF? Look, we have to be very careful. AMH, a lot of I, I get all the time patients who says, "Oh, my my AMH dropped." Or we have to be careful. Make sure first of all, it's measured in the same lab, right? Because sometimes different labs have different measurement criteria. Two is yes. Once the AMH increases, and a lot of things increase AMH, one of them is PRP, vitamin D supplementation, uh, losing, there's so many things. So typically, AMH comes from the cells around the egg. So the more AMH you have, the more eggs you have, increases. But look at the number of follicles, right? To me, the, the higher, if, if it's translate to higher number of follicles, then definitely it means response and better response and to IVF, okay. yes. But you can have a high MH and be a poor responder? Absolutely. There's a lot of people who have high MH and you give them stimulation, they develop only one follicle. There is something called low ovarian reserve or diminished ovarian reserve, but there is something called dynamic low ovarian reserve. You know what this means? This is a new term that's used by one of my colleagues that's really not used, but she calls it, she's from Yale. Great, great colleague. She calls it dynamic DOR. What this means, DOR is diminished ovarian reserve. Dynamic meaning you stimulate them, you don't know that they're DOR until you stimulate them and they don't respond. They want one, two, no matter what you do. It's like stress test. I don't know, my heart looks fine now, but until you stress me out and make me run on treadmill, I'm not gonna know if my, my, there's my, there's my, my, my vessel is clogged or whatever it is. Same thing. You might see a lot of eggs, but once you stress them with the medication to see if they're responding, they don't grow. That's called dynamic. So to answer your questions, yes, you can have high AMH mm -hmm. and poor response. Okay. Um, would you recommend ozone sauna prior to embryo transfer? If you have thin lining, yes. We've shown that it increases thin lining. If you don't have thin lining, no. Um, well, if you don't have thin lining, I don't yeah. <laughs> I didn't study women who have good lining and look at the embryo transfer. It's something for me to do a trial for. You know what? Let me <laughs> See, I learn from these questions too. Um, you know what? I don't, gonna, I, I can just be like third or fourth author on that. I mean, you know, if you just want to put me on the bottom somewhere. It's a good idea. So you know what? We will definitely at least, at least mention I'm just kidding. Right? 
<laughs> it wasn't even my question. I can't take credit for it. Um, okay. Benefits of ozone before transfer. Again, I don't look. I don't think it's going to harm. I don't think you should do it if you're pregnant because I don't know the effect on pregnancy. If you have failed implantation or thin lining, if you have thin lining, yes, for sure. If you have failed implantation but good lining, I don't know the answer. I'm going to do this study for sure now. But if it doesn't, if, if you have, if we if we have no other options and we tried everything, there is nothing to lose, in my opinion. Ozone is not harmful. Why not? But I don't know the final answer until I design a study. And do you know how long the benefits are of ozone sauna? Well, that's a, that's a great question. I, I mean, with the with the implantation with the thin lining, it really was good for that particular cycle because remember the lining sheds every month. So I can build lining beautiful, great with ozone, but then you're going to have a period and then it's gone. So you're building in your lining again. Right. So if, if potentially if that were the case, then you'd have to come back for your next cycle to try Correct. and. Okay. Exactly. Gotcha. Um, okay. What about PRP to help with lining thickness? There are tons of studies on PRP, intrauterine infusion. I do it all the time. It works. Published showing that PRP increases endometrial lining and stickiness. For endometrial thickness, to make it thicker, you need to do it three times, not once. You need to do it in the beginning of the cycle twice, and then once before you do the embryo transfer, like when you start progesterone a couple of days before. Oh, okay. Maybe if you're not sick of me yet, maybe you come back and we talk about PRP for the uterus. <laughs> maybe we can move on in like August. Yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm on your time. You pick the time. Where is August nineteenth? We can do one for my on my birthday. Oh my god! I don't want to take away from your birthday. I for Believe sure <laughs> bring some wine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay. Is ozone sauna best for improvement of egg quality when paired with vaginal ozone, and why? When it's paired with vaginal ozone, mm -hmm. like if you just sit in the sauna plus the tube, or if you just sit in the sauna. So I think something else that you vaginally is much better, in my opinion. For egg quality. For egg quality, because that's how I studied the egg quality. Correct. Okay. It does it does improve egg quality? We've published that. Okay, and then um, do you know anything about red light therapy and its effects on egg quality? I I know I know of one study. Um, actually, I learned about this from Dr. Amy, the egg whisperer, and she loves it. I have I have a couple of patients that are using it. Uh, one patient did very very well on it. The other ones just started because they're telling each other now. I'm aware of one study I believe published from Japanese group that they showed improvement in air quality. But other than this, I know nothing more about that. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe that's another thing on your list of things to that put. Sure. <laughs> I'm right. I'm right. I have, I have to do this on my iPhone. I'm like, yeah, let's learn more. How do we learn more? Um, okay. And then last question. This uh, one gal, she is 38, had POI since 34. FSH was recently 14. AMH is undetectable. She did one IVF cycle in 2019 with high doses, and she's interested in learning more about a protocol um, and success rates with mini IVF for someone like her? So people ask me all the time about success rate. Success rate has nothing to do with your AMH level. If you look, and I'm showing it to you right now, 
look at the, this is numbers from the data. The y-axis y tells you pregnancy rates. The x-axis is maternal age. Age. No AMH, right? It's five age group, less than 35, 35 to 37, 38 to 40, 41 to 42, 42 plus. The only difference, and mini IVF and conventional IVF have similar outcome. There is tons of data showing this. What matters if you're looking at low AMH, you need to do lower stimulation, less eggs, less food. Remember, we don't want to overfeed them and make them vomit. You're not going to do well on conventional IVF. If you have twin sister that has very high AMH, you both have similar outcome of getting pregnant with IVF. But your twin sister with high AMH would do one cycle and get 20 egg and done. But you might need to do five cycles to get to the 20 eggs, but you both have similar outcome because they're the same age. That's the difference between low AMH and, no, and, and high AMH, is how many times I need to do the IVF to get to the similar outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, and I do this too, I get caught up in my AMH and go, oh my gosh, I my AMH dropped and what do I do now? And it's so easy to get stuck on that number as opposed to using it as one data point in the bigger picture of things. I, I agree. Look, AMH is great. I love AMH. I've been studying AMH for 20 years, right? It's one of the best markers. It tells you right now how things are. But to follow and be obsessed with it, it, it it's not a good thing. It's like mammogram. You don't do mammogram every two months. You do once a year. You need time to see difference. But also what I tell people if I take your blood right now and send it to two different labs, you will get different results. You might get 0.4 here, you might get 0.6 there. There is always a test. Any test has 15% to 20% margin of variation. That's considered normal. So be careful also. And the lower the AMH, the more likely that margin of error is higher, right? So 0.4 to 0.6 is what? 20, uh, 40%. Right? I'm, I'm terrible in math, but let's say I wrote a big number. Right? So, so but, but the reality is also every lab uses different machine and assay. So you need to make sure you're using the same assay, same. But even if there is, there is in any testing, there is intra, intra variation and inter variation. Intra meaning if you give your test to two people, you're going to have different results. If you give your test blood to the same person to run it today and run it tomorrow, you will get different results. So time, all those, this is laboratory 101, there is variation in everything. So be careful. And what I'm trying to say, don't be obsessed with the number. It's just a number. You need a baby. If you have AMH of 1,000 and all your eggs are bad quality, I don't care. Give me one good egg, it gives me a baby. AMH is a measure of quantity. It's a reserve. When you say reserve, it's how much, not how good. So don't confuse quality with quantity. It tells you nothing about the quality. Can I go eat now? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> you know, I think it's, you make me hungry. I think you open my appetite. I have to tell you. I really have to tell. I, think I know. Cool. Next time, I'm gonna to have to send you snacks. I'll have to. I'll have a. I'll, I'll DoorDash <laughs> you. 
Yeah, I'll DoorDash you snacks ahead of time so that you'll be fully prepared for your uh, for your session. Um, but how do people reach you if they need you, if they you know want to do a consultation with you or if they have questions with you uh, for you? How do they reach you? You can email me on. Uh, well, honestly, you can send me a DM on Dr. Underscore Murphy on Instagram or Rejuvenating Fertility Center. Send a message there. That's the fastest way. Or you can go to Rejuvenating Fertility Center. We have the phone number there and dial it, It's you know, and ask to speak to me. So, or you can go to our website, Rejuvenating Fertility Center, go to contact us, fill your information. So there's many ways through the website, through the phone, and through Instagram. And you have, and I think you said a large part of your practice, people travel to you outside of New York. Around 40% of our patients are outside New York area. We do outside monitoring, meaning if you want to do IVF with us and you're far away, it doesn't mean you can't do it. I have patients right now in Europe doing IVF with me. I do the protocol. They just need to find a place to monitor. When they're ready for the retrieval, they fly and we do the retrieval. So they're getting our protocol and our lab. Okay. Um, Dr. Murhi, I have to thank you for being so patient with me. (laughs) It's my pleasure. I enjoy talking to you as always. And thank you so much for having me for the second time. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. And we'll plan for another one. I mean, yeah. honestly, you have an open invitation whenever you want to. The next know. time. You don't want me on it. People are going to like, like, this no. crazy. Nobody wants to come hear me. They want to come hear you talk. So I'm just here to turn. I'm just here to play hit record. <laughs> and, oh, and then you take it over. And it's all you. Uh, Nobody wants you. to hear we me talk. We appreciate all your efforts, really. You're helping a lot of women learn more about. Uh, you know, their body, their AMH, their fertility, especially women 40 and above who are, are, I don't think they're given the real chances or enough chances to try different things. So I really want to thank you for your, for your, for your podcast. Well, I mean, you're a big part of it, you know, of everything, of having people like you out there who are constantly trying to figure out ways that we can be successful. I mean, you know, I hope that one day you're the first three-person IVF here to do it. That would be so great. Um, but yeah, but I mean, we, we're we all here and we're all lucky to be here because we have someone like you fighting for us. Oh, so we wouldn't be able to really do it. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Well, I'll catch you next time. I know you're hungry and you have patience to see, so I don't want to keep you. But- I'm supposed to lose weight, but I keep <laughs> eating nonstop. Something is wrong with me. <laughs> I know. I feel your pain. I am like that all the time. So, yeah. And it doesn't help whenever I, like, I have these meetings I have to go on to. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to have a snack with me. And so I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, stop, stop, stop. But, um, yeah. So thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. And until thank next you. time. I want to thank you for tuning in today. I hope you found today's episode helpful. If you want a question or topic covered in future episodes, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at 40 and infertile. Make sure you hit the subscribe button for alerts and new episodes, and I hope to see you back again soon. Bye.